Okay. Uh, right now we are going to go into the time of the Word and the, and the message for today. Uh, we've had several weeks of streaming uh, with Pastor Christian, and he's been uh, speaking to us about romance, romantic relationships, uh, always a very favorite subject for many of us. And I know in the month of June, we had Women's Ministry Month. And so this is my first time preaching in nine weeks. I know you guys missed me, right? I know you guys missed uh, hearing my preaching. Okay, okay, maybe maybe a couple of you guys. Uh, <laughs> but I'm excited. I'm excited to share the Word of God uh, with you guys today. All right, uh, can we turn to the book of Hosea? Hosea. Chapter 1 and chapter 3. So we'll start at chapter 1. Hosea is in the Old Testament. It's uh, the 12th to last book in the Old Testament, if that helps. Okay. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. Okay. I'm going to read from the ESV. I'm going to read from chapter 1, verse 2 through 9, and then chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, And I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name, not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 1. And the Lord said to me, Go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man. And is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And I said to her, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come and fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this is... uh, yeah, this is a weighty, a weighty passage, God. 
So, Lord, I just pray for our time now that you would help me uh, to speak it uh, with conviction and in the power of the Holy Spirit. You would help me to speak it clear, God. And I pray that you would just reveal your heart and reveal your love through this message, God. I pray for everyone who's sitting here to hear. I pray that you would give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand what you're speaking today, God. Yes, Lord, I pray that you would anoint this message and that it will bear good fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold, into the lives of everyone who's here today. So we pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking a lot about marriage. Uh, Pastor Christian has been preaching three straight sermons on marriage and romance. And we've got the last one coming next week. And so I thought, hey, why don't we talk a little bit more about marriage? But, you know, this time, let's talk about a unique marriage. Actually, let's talk about God's marriage. You see, the Bible says that God created marriage between man and woman for people. But it's also a picture of God's own marriage. That God himself is involved in a marriage. And we can learn about what marriage is between two people if we learn about God's marriage to his people. And so, yeah, we're going to look at God's marriage. And uh, we're looking at the book of Hosea. Hosea uh, is a very interesting book, as you can tell by the passage that we read. Uh, Some interesting stuff that God's doing and uh, stuff that's happening. And so to understand uh, the book of Hosea, you got to kind of understand kind of the, the overarching story, the whole, the whole book as a whole, the whole book as a whole, right? So um, to understand this, that's why, you know, we read uh, a good chunk of chapter 1 and chapter 3, and uh, we're going to learn a lot about God's love as a husband and what God's marriage is like. Okay, so we're going to look at three things, and the three things we're going to learn is first, there's a good husband. Second, there's an unfaithful wife. And third, there's a restored marriage. All right, so good husband, unfaithful wife, and a restored marriage. So let's start with the good husband. Okay. You know, you know, one of the favorite conversations that people like to have is, hey, what do you look for in a good, you know, husband, in a good wife? What are the, what are the top characteristics that you look for? Right? And, you know, it's always like similar things. You know, it's, it's different, you know, a couple details here and there. But we look for things like, oh, I want, I want someone who's going to be kind. And I want someone with a sense of humor. Right? I want someone with whom I have chemistry. We can connect, laugh at the same things. I want someone who's going to be faithful. Uh, someone who's dependable. There's, you, know, people, you know, people have different characteristics that they look for. But... You know who you know you know who you should look at if you want to look for a good example of a good husband? God. God is a pretty good husband. Actually, God is a perfect husband because God is perfect. Right? And you know, maybe that, that might seem kind of weird to some of you. Hey, God is my husband? That's it's kind of weird. I'm, you know, especially if you're a guy, right? It's like uh, I don't I don't really want a husband, you know? I'm a guy. Right, that's that's kind of weird. Like, what? And so, am I? Am I the bride? Am I the wife? Like, 
You know, am I supposed to be pictured like wearing like like a wedding dress or something, just coming to God? Well, you know what? It, it's kind of weird, but actually, there's there's a depth of the, the the relationship with God that we can't get unless you understand that God is your husband. You see, the Bible uses a lot of metaphor to describe our relationship with God. Right? It says God is our maker, and we are the created. Right? And so all that we have is from God. He's the giver of everything that we have, life and breath and everything. He's our king, right? and we are his subjects. And so he's our Lord. He rules over us. He has authority as a king. He's like a father, and we are his children. Right? So there's all these different metaphors that the Bible brings out about our relationship with God. But if you don't understand that God is also our husband, then you're going to miss an essential aspect of who God is towards us. See, if you just know God as your king or as your Lord, then you're going you're gonna to fear him. Right? He's, he's holy. He's a king. And he is a king. And he does have authority, right? He is Lord. He can do anything that he wants, and he has authority over our lives. And so we are to obey him, to be subject to him, to trust him. He is a father. We are his children, so we can trust him like a father does. That he's going to provide for us, that he's going to look out for our needs. He's going to protect us like a father. He's going to have that paternal uh, heart and instinct over us. He's a father. We are his children. But as weird as it sounds, he's also our husband. God wants to reveal that he is, he, his love for us is like a husband's love for a wife. I want to read this quote for you by C.S. Lewis. It says this, You ask for a loving God. You have one. The great spirit you so lightly invoked, the Lord of terrible aspect, is present. Not a senile benevolence that drowsily wishes you to be happy in your own way. Not the cold philanthropy of conscientious magistrates. Nor the care of a host who feels responsible for the comfort of his guests. But the consuming fire himself. The love that made the world. Persistent as the artist's love for his work. And despotic as a man's love for a dog. Provident and venerable as a father's love for a child. Jealous inexorable, exacting as love between the sexes. See, this is God's love for us. His love is like a husband. There's a unique love that two spouses have for one another. That's why, you know, you look at all the songs that, you know, artists write in pop culture, about 90% of the songs that they write is about love between two sexes. Right? It's like romantic relationship. There's something special. There's something that kind of makes your heart flutter, right? When you think about romance, when you think about a, a love that a wife has for a husband or that a husband has for a wife, there's something deep. There's something passionate. There's something really powerful about that kind of love. And no other love in this world can compare with that love. Right? Like, your parents may love you. But that love can't compare when you get married and your love for your spouse. You see, that's why the Bible says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And 
the two shall become one flesh. Because the relationship between a husband and a wife is so much more intimate, so much more personal, so much more passionate, and so much more meaningful than even a parent's love for a child. You know, then a king's love for his subjects, even even love between the best of friends, BFFs, you know, like even if you're like blood brothers or you get tattooed, doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I hope you don't do that, but if you did, I, I don't judge you, right? But hey, uh, you know, like, you know, even no matter what other kind of friendship, what other kind of relationship you might have, the love that's between a husband and a wife, there's nothing that can compare to that. See, even you, you even start to sense it in a dating relationship, right? Like, if you don't make your dating relationship the number one thing in your life, you're gonna you're gonna feel the consequences, you know? Right? Like, if you know, like, especially and also in a marriage too. But even in a dating relationship, right? If you don't if you don't make that a priority, if you don't make that important, even the most important thing in your life. If you put other things ahead of your marriage relationship, if you put work ahead of marriage, that marriage is not going to last. It's not going to hold together. Right? If you put your love for your career or even your love for your children or your love for hobbies, for sports, whatever it is, right? if you put anything above your relationship with your spouse, your marriage is not going to be good. It's not going to be a good marriage because that's how God created things. Is that that love, there's nothing like it. And that, that has to come first. And so what we see is that in our relationship with the Lord, like He pursues us with passion. You know, His love is not cold, like, you know, like C.S. Lewis said, it's not cold philanthropy. He's not some deist God who's, you know, up in the heavens and kind of just looking on, you know what I mean, from det- with a detached heart. He's not just a father who just looks at us like children or like a host, right? Who just wants to make sure we're comfortable and that we have what we need. But he's like, his love is passionate. God's love as a spouse, as a husband. God pursues you like a husband pursues his wife. Like a person who's madly in love with you. Like when he looks at you, like you are the apple of his eye. Every time he looks at you, his heart melts. He is consumed with love for you. That's what his love is like. God's love for you is like a husband's love. And God is a good husband. He's a good husband. He's not satisfied when your love is cold towards him. He's not satisfied when your relationship is distant like some marriages might be. Right? But he's going to keep pursuing you, keep going after you, keep revealing his love to you until you see and until you start showing him that kind of, that's the kind of love he wants from you. That's why the Bible says God is jealous. Do you know what a jealous boyfriend is like? Or a jealous girlfriend, right? And you know, jealousy is good if you love somebody. Okay? If you love someone, you should get jealous, right? If you, if you love, if you love your husband or wife, or, you know, even your girlfriend or boyfriend, and you see them, like, flirting with some other dude over there, right? And you're not jealous. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't really care, then that shows a lot about your love for them, right? That your love is not deep. That it's not, it's not powerful. You see, I know, I know Pastor Jamie will never do that, right? But, 
I said, like, if I saw any dude trying to kick it to her, right? Yeah, I'm going to get jealous, right? Yeah, I'm a, first I'm going to size him up. Like, how big is this guy? You know, like, what's this guy? You know, but like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get jealous, right? Because I love her. Because I'm a good husband and I love my wife, right? And any good husband, right? That's why God gets jealous for our love, for our hearts. Because God's a good husband, right? And whenever we set our love primarily on something else more than God, then God is not satisfied with that kind of love. He's not satisfied. If we love money and we trust in money and we seek after money more than God, that's not what God wants. If we seek after the relationship with other people, you know, no matter who that is, whether it's the approval of parents or the approval of a significant other or whoever it is, more than God, God is not satisfied even with that. See, God wants us to make Him number one in our hearts and in our lives because He is jealous for us as a husband. God is our husband. And he is a good husband. And he is faithful, just like he has been to his people throughout the ages. He has never failed his people at any point in history. Every promise that he's made, it's been true. There's not one promise that has fallen to the ground. He's fulfilled everything that he's ever promised, that he's ever committed. There is no husband like God. There is no love like God's love. Even the best of spouses you have in this life, their love for you will pale in comparison to the love that God has for you and with the passion with which He seeks you. So, that's the good husband. He's a a pretty good husband. He will never let you down. His love will never change. It will never waver. It's always fully committed. Man, that's, that's a pretty good husband. That's a pretty good God. All right, but sadly, the story doesn't end there, right? That's, we see a good husband, but we also see that there is an unfaithful wife. See, God told Hosea. Hosea is a guy, by the way. You know, it's a weird name, but you know, Hosea is a guy. And God told Hosea, hey, I want you to go and marry... This woman who's going to be unfaithful to you. She's going to leave you. She's going to love other men. She's going to have children with other men. That's why the second and third child. It doesn't say she bore a son to Hosea. It just says she bore another child. She's going to have children with other men. She's going to be a prostitute one day on the streets. She's going to give herself away to every other guy. And then one day, she's going to be for sale. She's going to be sold as a prostitute. And God says to Hosea, I want you to go and marry that woman. It's like, God, that's really weird. Like, why would you ask me to do that? You see, what God is doing here is He's trying to show His love for His people. And He's acting that out through Hosea. Right? 
And what Hosea does, he, he takes her. Hosea is a good prophet. He hears the word of the Lord and he does it. He obeys. He marries Gomer. And then they have a child. They name him Jezreel. Okay, don't ask me what that means. It's a long backstory, right? But basically it's like, you know, God, God is beginning to say, hey, I'm going to punish the kingdom of Israel for their unfaithfulness to me. So the first child was born to Hosea. Second child, she conceived again and bore a daughter. Doesn't say to Hosea, it's probably another man. And God says, call her name No Mercy. Because I will no longer have mercy on my people. You see, God is a good husband. He's a faithful husband. But if you know the story of God's relationship with his people, Israel, in the Old Testament, all you see is failure after failure after failure. His people leave him. They go after other gods. They go after other lovers. They don't trust him. They worship golden calves and idols and all these things. And they are so unfaithful as his spouse. God says, I took you as my wife. I betrothed you to me in love. And yet you leave me. It says, it says in the book of Jeremiah, my people have forgotten me days without number. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. They leave me. They go astray after other gods. They trample all over me. And the love and the mercy that I show them, they put me behind their back. This is the kind of wife that God's people have proven to be. And over and over and over again, God says, turn, turn, turn back to me. I am your true lover. I am your true God. Won't you turn back to me? And he's pleading through the centuries. He's so patient. But you see, by this time, that patience has reached its full. And he says, they've been unfaithful for too long. The second child, call her name, no mercy. I will no longer have mercy on my people. They have been unfaithful to me as my wife. She has a third child, this time a son, again to another man. And he says, call her name, call his name, not my people. For they are not mine, and I am not their God. Dang. That's, that's, some, that's some weighty stuff right there. He says, I have rejected them as my people. I have pursued after them. Love as a bride. Love as a husband. Seeking after them. Centuries down the line. And they have rejected me. They have forgotten me. And so they are no longer mine. Call his name, not mine. No mercy, not mine. This is the unfaithfulness the wife. See, what, what do we see here? We see that, hey, when we, when we turn away from God, his heart is it's not just like a king. Right? When, when a subject rebels against the king, the king is, probably gets angry, 
And we'll probably deal with that servant, you know, that subject in the right way. But God's love for his people. See, a lot of us, we think when we turn away from God, when we sin against God, you know, the image we get, maybe it's this angry God who, who's going to get us or he's going to, you know, repay us according to what we've done. But what you don't understand is that God's love for us is like a husband. See, and that's different from a king, right? If a wife goes astray from her husband and goes into the arms of another man, how do you think that husband feels? You know, this is something that's probably one of the most painful things that a person can experience, right? When you have given your heart and soul to another person and you've committed to them and you see them in the arms of another person and they are rejected and stomped all over your love. That, that tears your heart. That tears your heart apart. That's a pain to be compared with the most painful of anything that a person can experience. And that's what God feels like when we turn away from Him. See, when we turn away from God in sin, God's heart is not just detached. It's not just angry. But God's heart is broken. And God's heart is grieved. And He's saying, how can you do this to me? How can you turn away from me? Don't you know the kind of love that I've been pouring out to you and showing to you? How can you stomp all over my grace and my love like that? See, do you guys understand that? It, this is really important for us to understand. When we sin against God, His heart is broken. It, it, it actually affects God. Now, Hosea is a beautiful book. If you read through it, there's some amazing expressions of God's love. In chapter 11... This is what he says, right, to his people. You don't have to turn there. But he says, he's talking about, oh, I'm about to give them away. Right? And I'm going to send my judgments upon them. But then he says in verse 8, How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. See, God is a good husband, but how many parties does it take to make a good marriage? It takes two. God has been faithful to us. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, God has been faithful to you all throughout your life even times when you didn't understand even times when you're going through some tough times God's love for you never fails it never ends but what about us what about our hearts towards God how often do our hearts grow cold how often do our hearts stray from God and turn after other things and go after other lovers and we make so many things more important than God in our lives. And every time that happens, God's heart 
It's not detached. It's very involved. And his heart is wrenching. He says, my heart recoils within me. That word recoil, that is like the strongest word possible that you could use. That's basically saying, it's tearing my heart. So we see that there was a good husband, but there's also an unfaithful wife. And that's God's people. Every single person has been unfaithful to God. But the good news is, that's not where it ends. Because then, that would be a pretty pretty sad story. See, there's a good husband and an unfaithful wife, but there's also a restored marriage. You see, the average husband, what's an average husband going to do if you have a wife like Gomer? You know, that, that girl, that woman, not only one man, not only another man, but she's selling herself on the streets, just giving herself away. The average husband is going to cut that off. He's going to divorce. Right? And, you know, this is not a sermon about divorce, okay? okay? Although, you know, there are a couple allowances for divorce in the Bible. They're not, they're not a lot, okay? But this is not a sermon about divorce. We'll talk about that another time. But, um, you know, safe to say, like, this would probably be a good case where Hosea could divorce his wife. But what does God say in chapter 3? He says, go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. He says, go back to her. She's left you. She's rejected you. She's betrayed you over and over and over again. She has never been faithful to you. She has crushed you and torn your heart apart. And yet, go again and love this woman who is loved by another man. And God says, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. Hosea, your love for your wife, Gomer, is going to be an example that shows my love for my people. That even when they reject me, even when they crush me, even when they turn away from me, over and over and over again. Yet I will seek them. I will speak tenderly to them. I will pursue them with tender love and compassion. That's pretty amazing. But you see the picture here that's painted. It says, verse 2, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. Basically, that amounts to 30 shekels of silver. And, uh, you know, commentators have different views on this. But uh, most commentators agree that 30 shekels of silver was the price that was paid for a slave. For a prostitute being sold as a slave. So basically, Hosea has come and hit rock bottom. This is the lowest point in her life. She has some pretty low lows, but this is her lowest. She's given herself to so many other men, but now she is not even wanted by any single one of them. She is unwanted, and she's being sold in slavery. And what usually happens here is, when you buy a prostitute as a slave, you want to see your merchandise, 
right? You want to see what you're getting. And so she was probably stripped naked, had no dignity, just at rock bottom in her life, the lowest point she's ever hit. And now she's being sold. She's made a mess of her life. She's ruined her life. So now she's being sold at this auction. And people are bidding on her like she's merchandise, like she's an object. And people are bidding. And people are throwing out their bids. You know, and I'm sure she probably can't even hold her head up. She's so humiliated. She's so ashamed. She's so down. And as people are bidding, she hears a familiar voice. It's the voice of her husband, Hosea. And he's bidding for her to buy her back. Fifteen shekels and a homer and a lethic of barley. I want to buy her back. What, what, are you, what is she thinking at that moment? What would you be thinking? Why, why, what is he doing? Why is he buying me back? After all that I've done. After all the ways that I've hurt him and betrayed him. And all the pain I've caused. What, what's going on? It's, it, it's, it's, you just can't understand it. What kind of person in their right mind will buy her back? She's worthless. And yet God says, go again. Love this woman. Love this woman and buy her back. Because this is my love for my people. Even at their lowest. Even when they have rejected me time and time again. Even at their rock bottom. When there's no hope left for them. And they've lost all hope. Yet I will buy them back. Yet I will love them again. This is God's love as a husband. This is very important for us to see. Like God's love for us is so deep. It's so powerful. There is no love like the love of God. There is no love like God's. And what we see from this passage is no matter how far you might feel like you've gone, no matter how far away from the Lord and how many times you've turned away from Him and you've rejected Him, you are never too far from His love reaching out to you. He has shown it in Hosea's love for Gomer. That's a living example of God's love for us. So no matter where you are, you can have hope that there's, you know, even though nobody else would receive you back, God will receive you back. But not only that, not only does God receive us back, not only does Hosea receive Gomer back, but he pays a price to get her back. He actually pays a pretty hefty sum to buy her back. What kind of person in their right mind does this? And yet God's saying, this is the picture of my love for you. 
even though you were worthless because you had rejected me and you'd gone after all your other lovers, I will still pay a price on the cross. The price of His Son, Jesus Christ. That God gave up His one and only Son, whom He loved, who was the apple of His eye. He loved with infinite love from before the world was created. And yet He said, I will pay the sacrifice of my Son to buy my people back because I love them and I am committed to them. And though they stray from me, yet I will win them back. I will woo them. I will speak tenderly. I will allure them and restore them back to me. And I will restore this marriage that was broken and that was torn apart by the love that I show. That's, that's pretty amazing. There's no love like God's love for us. There's no love in this world that can come anywhere close to comparing with the love of God. Look at this picture. You see, and, you know, I just want to share just some applications right, as we learn from this. Some of you are married. I'm married. So this is for me too. And some of you are going to be married. Most of you. Hopefully. Right? Okay? But, you know, when, you, when you're in a marriage, you're going to see that it gets tough. There are times when it gets really hard. I, I will tell you that. I, I testify that marriage is hard. And there will be times when the other person lets you down. And there will be times when you let the other person down. And you have a few choices when that happens. You can say, that person's let me down, not once, not twice, but over and over again. You can harden your heart towards them. You can become cynical. You can start to condemn them in your own heart. You can become detached, aloof, and hold bitterness, hold a grudge. And I'll tell you, sometimes I'm tempted to do that as a husband too, because it's hard. I'm sure she's tempted to do that with me. But man, God's love. See, God created marriage, and He said that marriage is supposed to be a picture of Jesus' love for His people, for His church. And so even when your spouse lets you down, even in the biggest ways, even though it's over and over and over again, the kind of love that God calls you to is to soften your heart, to forgive, to pursue that person, to pursue your spouse, even when it costs you a sacrifice. That's the kind of love that is supposed to be there in marriage. And if you don't have that, you're not going to have a good marriage. If you don't know how to forgive, if you don't know how to love despite being let down, because it's going to happen, that's the only way you can have a good marriage. And how do you get and, and the more you know you know God's love for you, and you see the love of God for you that He has loved you even when you didn't deserve it, then you can love the other person. Even though they don't deserve it. And they can love you. Even when you don't deserve it. 
See, marriage was God's design. It was not created by man. And man can't demolish marriage, no matter how much the governments and the people, you know, the culture is trying to do that right now and change marriage. God created marriage, and he knows how marriage works. And he says, my love for my people, I want you to love like that in a marriage. That's how committed I am. And not only in a marriage, too, right? But in all our relationships. You know, if you go through life, you're going to have people who let you down. If, you, if that's never happened to you before, you are very rare. Okay? The one or two of you who are in this room, maybe, right? That's not, but, you know, the rest of us, people have let you down. People are going to let you down. They're going to betray you. They're going to disappoint you. And again, you have a choice. But we see here, in the love that God shows, God wants us to show that kind of love also to all people. Not to walk in unforgiveness. Not to walk in bitterness. But to let those things go and to forgive. To forgive even our enemies who have hurt us, who have caused us so much pain. And to forgive them as God has loved and forgiven us. You see, you see the kind of love that we're supposed to live out as Christians. It's not because we're so righteous or we're so good. It's because we have received so much love from God. And also I want to share just maybe one or two more things. How? What's your picture of God like? Have you seen Him as your husband? Alright? If it's weird, okay, just get over it. Okay? You know, like, it was weird for me too in the beginning, but, hey, you know, we you know we were created to receive this kind of love. See, when God created us, right, St. Augustine, he was a really good Christian in the old, old days, but he said, God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts will never find rest until we find rest in you. See, we were created to know God and to receive his love. Even even the hardest, you know, you know, I, I used to be kind of kind of hard on the outside, right? Maybe like a little bit a little bit hard on the outside. Okay, inside, you know, you know, my wife always tells me I was like a coconut, right? Like hard on the outside, and you know, inside I was like all soft and stuff. But you know, like I I, I used to think like I was tough and all hard on the outside. But man, when when the love of God just started pouring into my life, man, that just that just transformed me. My heart was so hardened. By so many things. But when I, when I started to encounter his love and just drink in his love, man, that was so powerful. See, I never smiled until I met the Lord. Have I shared this before? I never smiled. I, even in middle school. I, I remember this, this girl wrote in my middle school yearbook, I, I want to get, you know, you know like when you say, I want to leave behind this and this? And she was like, I want to leave Paul a smile because... I've never seen him smile. And, and even in high school, like, girls were saying that and all this stuff. And I don't know why I didn't smile, okay? I, you know, I, don't, I wasn't depressed, all right? But, but, you know, I think I was cynical. I think I was hard-hearted. And um, that was just my way of dealing with uh, things that I had gone through, right? But I remember, man, just starting to receive the love of God. And that's for everybody. You know, we were created to receive God's love. 
Do you see him as your husband? Do you see him as your lover who's pursuing you? He's after your heart. He's after your heart. He's not just some you know, distant ruler who's just looking over your shoulder every time you mess up, trying to you know, hit you with the stick, right? Like, you know, like every time you mess up, right? Who's just looking to condemn you or judge you? No, he's your lover. Have you received him? Have you opened your heart to him as your lover? He wants to pour out his love into your life, into your heart. Just like he did to me, just like he's done to so many other people here in this house. Or is your relationship with God, is it cold? Is it distant? Is it is it a form is it all formalities? Is it all religion? That's not what God wants. God wants to break through that. And he will do that as you seek him and you keep coming out, right? Lastly, I want to say that you know, sometimes God tells us to do strange things. Like marry an adulterer or an adulteress. That's kind of weird. Okay? Unless you hear a word, audible voice of the Lord, like don't ever receive that prophetic word from someone because that's probably not the Lord. That's, you know, this is the only time in the Bible that God tells somebody to marry, uh, you know, an adulteress. That's kind of weird. And, you know, this was a very special purpose. Right? And so if anyone prophesied over you, don't receive it. Okay? Because that's really weird. Right? And that's probably not true. But, you know, but sometimes God tells us to do, do things that don't really make sense. But in God's perspective, it makes sense. In God's perspective, this makes sense. God was trying to show the entire world, even you and me right now, through telling Hosea to marry Gomer. See, we wouldn't know God's love like this if Hosea hadn't done that and bought her back. See, there was a purpose. And it's only because Hosea obeyed that God was able to fulfill that purpose of his. Sometimes God tells us to do things that don't make sense. He calls you to trust him. He calls you to leave your life that you know and move thousands and oceans away for a church plant and give up everything. And that doesn't make sense. You know, God... No, but seriously, God calls us to do things sometimes. It may not make sense to you. But when you know that it's from the Lord, obey Him. Trust Him. Even if Hosea didn't understand at first, and he only understood later, in time you will see, whether in this life, or maybe even the life to come. But if you live a life of obedience, man, you're fulfilling God's purposes through you, through your life. And so, obey the Lord when He calls you to do something. And as you go through it, you might experience pain. Hosea experienced a lot of pain. See, God's purpose for us is not always to spare us from pain. That's not always His highest purpose. God's ways are high. It's mysterious. There's some better things that He wants to do in our lives. And sometimes, there's a sacrifice. There's a cost. That has to be paid. But if you obey, you will see the Lord fulfilling His purposes through you. 
And that kind of life is the life He wants you to live. There's no other life like that. Hosea felt a lot of pain. But how much deeper do you think he understood God's heart? God, this is, this is what you have to go through. This is the kind of pain that you have to feel in order to love me and to love your people. And he probably said, it's worth it. It's worth everything that I have to go through. That God, you even had a purpose for me through this. To experience your love in greater depths than otherwise I could have. So obey the Lord. And if you're going through that, God has purposes for you. If you're obeying the Lord and it doesn't make sense, if you're going through some hard times, experiencing some pain, maybe God's making you another Hosea. Maybe He's preparing you for something really good. But trust Him. Receive His love. That's the kind of life that He wants us to live. Amen? All right, let's pray.